0: Maybe. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports. So let's start the conversation. Coming to you live from our, uh, our Lincoln Park Studios, kind of becoming a regular haunt for the podcast. I'm your host, JT. Have an awesome interview for you today. One of the topics that we talk about a lot on the podcast here would be college golf. This will be the first time we take a little bit deeper dive into the, the multitude, uh, multifaceted, if you will, Oklahoma City metro College golf scene. Before we get to that, obviously want to thank Chalk Sports, longtime sponsor of the podcast. We are about to crown a national champion of the March Madness NCAA tournament. Be sure to get to Chalk for Final Four weekend. Be sure to get to Chalk next week for Masters Week. Yes, it is here. You're Still Out will be on site with a watch party on Thursday afternoon for happy hour. Let's be honest, the You're Still Out crew will probably be there from the time the place opens. But officially, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Thursday, April the 6th at Chalk Sports. All things green, all things pimento cheese sandwiches, all things masters. That's Chalk Sports, Sports, Service, and Smiles. Well, without further ado, let me bring on our guest. It would be Darren Reed, head coach of the Southwest Christian Golf Teams. Darren, first of all, this has been a long time in the making. I know you and I have both been chomping at the bit to talk some college golf. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Good to have you. I want to start, as we typically do, with, with background, right? Uh, give the listener a little chance to... To learn about who they are listening to, so quite simply, tell us about your background in golf. Yeah, I uh, I really didn't touch a golf club till uh, probably junior summer of
1: my high school. I went to Bethany High School. Uh, baseball was my thing growing up, and uh, had elbow surgery, and they said uh, no more pitching, and so that was I kind of lost my my ride into college, and so um, I really wanted to play college sport and. You know, my, my dad really tried to get me into golf growing up, and I just wasn't about it, and uh, baseball was it for me, and uh, after the injury, I really um, found a, a love and passion for golf. I uh, I uh, decided to get a summer job at Lake Hefner Golf Course as part, part of the maintenance staff, and I worked for uh, Chris Garrett and Daniel Mills, and two of the best uh, supers that I've ever met. Chris is now at Quell Creek, and Daniel uh, really uh, uh, was at uh, Duncan Golf Country Club for a long time, and then... Um, he uh, really helped out uh, reopen john conrad with yeah. with the new uh, reno and um just working for those two guys and, um, getting a love for golf. And one of my co-workers was Colton Cowan. Um, he played golf at Southwestern Christian. Then he played at Swasu. And then he was the, uh, assistant coach at Swasu. And then the assistant coach at Austin Peay State. And then now he's the head coach at Henderson State in Arkansas. And, um, his men's and women's teams are both top five teams in the country for division two. And so, um, he actually taught me how to play golf. I mean, he was really, uh, big on getting me out there uh, every day. And, get myself better. And I, I, really owe almost all of my golf skill to him.
0: Well, I think a couple of quick things in reflection, we do not need Daniel Mills to get any bigger of a, of a head of an ego. And when he hears that, uh, you shaped, uh, he shaped the, the minds of America's youth, it's going to be, uh, going to be a force to be reckoned with. And, um, I guess the other thing that, uh, is interesting there. Not picking up a golf club till you're a junior in high school. I get to play with you fairly regularly, uh, and you're, you're still a, a youngster, as it were. That's amazing that uh, you are uh, just, quite frankly, as good as you are, not starting until your junior year.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was uh, the baseball, just the hand-eye. I remember the, the, the uh, days my, my dad just in the front yard just throwing a baseball at me, and uh, if I didn't get in front of the baseball, you know, it was a, it was a bad deal. And so I think that hand-eye of, from early on, from early age on, just really uh, helped me get to where I am and, you know, really wanted to play a college sport. That was what I knew I wanted to do that when I when I was really young, and I was determined to make that happen. And I, I got very, very lucky in the uh, situation that I that I got in, and I'm very, very thankful for that.
0: Well, you had a very long, as it turns out, college golf career. We've got the, uh, <clears throat> the bonus year with COVID, but talk to uh, the listeners about where you ended up going to play college golf, A little bit about that experience and then uh, again folks I know that this podcast we say it all the time an audible medium and so you can't see this but Darren a young buck of 25 years old yes a head coach of a college golf program but it started even earlier than that so talk about your college golf career and then transitioning into the coaching world.
1: Yeah so uh, I was lucky enough to go to Southwestern College and that's in Winfield Kansas just south Wichita um Luckily, they had a very good golf team when I showed up. I think they were number 40 in the country. And, you know, there's 165 NAI teams in the country. And, you know, 40 for a Kansas school is pretty good uh, at that point. This was in 2016. Um, I got to be around guys like Brian Peck, Landon Fox, um, and Justin Churchill. They, uh, I think Landon was – Landon and Brian were both All-Americans. And I think Landon won four events in a row, and then Brian won conference by 10 uh, my, my freshman year. That was at Buffalo Dunes. Um, great golf course up in Kansas. Oh
0: man, dying to get incredible.
1: up there, dude. Uh, they put put a lot of money into that place right now, and I keep on hearing it's getting better and better. Um, but yeah, small town Winfield, Kansas. Pretty much all you have up in Winfield is each other. Um, <laughs> you know, we have a Walmart, we have a couple restaurants, a Sonic, a Subway, and two golf courses. And you're like two golf courses. Yes, we had two golf courses. Middle of nowhere. It was an absolute blast. It was Quell Ridge, and uh, Winfield Country Club. And um, I absolutely love those golf courses. And that was a big draw. And um. I was a biology student and so uh, their biology program was very, very good. Um, we had a cadaver lab and you know, uh, not very many small schools with a thousand kids at them have stuff like that. And so
0: it was a, it was a big draw for me. Well, there are a lot of dead bodies in Winfield, Kansas. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense.
1: Absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, Winfield, Kansas. It was a it was a no brainer for me. Just when I met all my teammates, uh, I knew that this was, this was the place to be. Um, all those people uh, graduated, and um, we became a very bad college golf team for my uh, <laughs> for my next three years. Um, whenever I'm the one bag for my team for those three years, you know we're just not going to be good. You know this by my by my sophomore year. That was my third year to, of playing competitive golf, and you know I just wasn't ready. Um, we we got better and better through the years, but. You know, we I think we were around like 80th and 90th ranked in the country for those uh, last three years, and then um, and I'm playing uh, by my senior year. Um, I'm playing my best golf I could have possibly played. Have a chance to go uh, win conference as a, as individual. COVID hits right right before, and so then that's that's where everything else kind of changes.
0: Yeah. Well, you finish up college uh, as a player, and I guess the question at 23, the ripe ripe old age of 23. Becoming a head coach of a golf program, I believe you've told me before, you were the youngest head coach in the country at that point. I guess talk to us about the decision to get into coaching. Like, what was it? Was it a no-brainer for you? Uh, was it a Was it a, something came out of nowhere? And then um, doing it at uh, at that young age.
1: Well, the uh, so so sorry the the fifth year um with the COVID year I had a, had a choice on whether or not to stay at uh, Southwestern college or transfer. And, um, I decided to transfer, uh, to Southwestern Christian university U- university over in Bethany. And, um, uh, that was, that was my last year of playing. And, um, coach Tim Broughton was the, uh, was the coach there at the time. He is now the assistant at Earl Roberts university. Um, whenever Broughton took over that program, I believe in 17, I think they were ranked 124 in the country. Um, And then my year of playing, we made it to number nine. Um, And if anybody knows uh, Tim Broughton, he does not want to suck. And so he is (laughs) going to find any way to be good. And some of those things were uh, having players stay at his parents' uh, attic, you know, just sleep in there. And um, he was going to find any way to be good. And um, we were able to uh, get to number nine in my my COVID year of playing and make it to two nationals, which was uh, from where I was and, 80th, 90th in the country at my old school to go in to play for nationals, it's a different kind of pressure. And uh, it, I know it's just NAI, but just, you know, it's uh, it's playing for your team and the people you're, you're with every day, and it's uh, it's an unbelievable experience.
0: Well, you know, you had the college experience of playing golf, Southwestern College. Uh, you had the fifth year playing at Southwestern Christian uh, you know, here in, in Bethany. Kind of the difference in those two, you know, kind of the uh, obviously when you're in school, there's a whole added element of responsibilities. It certainly seems like uh, based on what you said about being a a bit of a scholar and having a good um, biology program, you're kind of into the academic side of things, Um, kind of, you know, not versus, but uh, contrast that with where it uh, is, quote unquote, just golf.
1: Yeah. So Southwestern College, it's school grind and a little bit of going to basketball games that, 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 uh that college had one of the best college basketball teams in the, in the country and so that was pretty much our highlight and we would school and school was pretty much it when you're at southwestern christian it was how do we beat every team by 100 at every event <laughs> and school and i hate to say it but school just really didn't matter to us we were um we were just trying to go to class and you know do whatever we had to do just to, to stay eligible but it was uh it was the most grinding of a golf team that I have ever seen in my entire life. And, uh, and it was really due to the fact of our coach, our, our coach was a, was a crazy guy who, uh, was going to find any way for us to be good at golf. And, um, that's just kind of how we did things.
0: And so that would have been the what 2020, 2021 school year, if yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, uh, just, just give me a couple of names off that roster that, uh, were some of your grinders?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Leonardo Ruggieri, he's from England. Um, Emil Van Geet is from Belgium. Um, they were both JUCO kids, and they uh, came over. We had uh, a bunch of foreigners. Um, we had a kid from Slovakia. We had four kids from Venezuela, three kids from South Africa, um, Argentina, uh, Germany, um, just all over the place. And there are many reasons for that, but we can dive into that uh, here, here, in just a little bit.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, that's. I think we go into it now. I didn't even have that on the board, but you saying that kind of brings back conversations that I've had on other in other interviews with college golf coaches, and certainly just being a college golf fan. It's it's very evident. You see the rosters. You see certainly when it gets televised, uh, international students playing for college golf teams. And we've talked to our girl Hannah Screen about this a little bit on what makes it so appealing for internationals to come over and specifically play uh, on golf teams of all levels. But, yeah, speak to that a little bit. What are a couple reasons in your mind, again, now you've got a whole different perspective on it being a, being a coach, but why is it so what I would call prevalent for international students to come over and play golf in the States?
1: Absolutely. Well, c- Certain countries, um, you know, just aren't a great um, living situation and growing up uh, situation. So a lot of our kids from certain countries, the, the biggest thing that they want to do is get to the States um, graduate, do the right things, and become a citizen. That is really, if you ask, a lot of my kids, they're like, yeah, I don't want to go back home. Um, you know, and college golf's a great avenue for them to earn that scholarship and um, earn that degree. And, for example, in a, you know, Southwestern Christian, we are a small, small school in a big city. Um, we're very cheap compared to the regional schools around us. Um, and we have an international liaison that her job is, strictly getting internationals into the country. And a lot right. of schools don't have that.
0: Interesting. That is very interesting. Talk about the functional way to, to make that happen and, and can capturing and kind of taking advantage in a, in a positive way of folks who want to come over and play, um, you, know, you know, leveraging and maximizing that opportunity. So I didn't even know that that existed. So I think the listeners probably could take some guesses at the difference in playing college golf versus coaching college golf. Uh, those would all be probably pretty superficial on, but as somebody who is uh, living it currently, I'm curious what your take is on the main differences, or the, or maybe some differences that folks wouldn't realize between playing and coaching at the college level.
1: Yeah, so as 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 playing college golf, you're living the absolute dream. You just are. You um, especially if you have a coach that's a crazy person, you know, like how I am. <laughs> you know, you're gonna you're gonna be. Playing a lot of golf, and you're not going to have to worry about your daily schedule because it's going to be laid out for you, and you just show up, do whatever your coach says, and it's going to work out. And um, I saw that for my five years of playing. I, in those five years, I had six different golf coaches. Um, yes, you heard that right. It's a, that's a that's a whole deal in itself. But I, um, you know, I had some great coaches, I had some not very great coaches, but you know, they they got us where we needed to be, and you know, booked all of our stuff, and we never have to worry about it. Now, when you're on the coaching side. It is, uh, it's the stuff a player never sees. It is, uh, and I I truly believe that you have to be a crazy person to be able to to run a college golf team correctly and um, in in the way that you care for your players. And um, just a couple of things is, you know, dealing with golf courses. We're in Oklahoma City and, uh, hey, can I have five tee times today? It's probably a no. And so, uh, you know, for qualifying. And so you have to find ways to get all of your your players playing golf courses and good golf courses and um, doing those kinds of things, you
0: know. And well, And I think it's a misnomer talking about just getting access to golf courses. There are definitely some courses in clubs that, you know, perhaps comp that. But a lot of times, I mean, it's not like, let me have five tee times for free. It's like I can, I can pay for them, but I, you know, you're going to block that out for me. So I think that there is a bit of a misnomer perhaps where, uh, you know, college, uh, now on the athlete side, I suppose it is free, but the, the the program is just getting to run roughshod over golf courses is not necessarily the case. The second thing that you mentioned there that I want to that I want to highlight is that um, you know, that stuff that uh, the players never notice or see. I think the, you talked about laying out the schedule for them and and that sort of thing. From a not a spectator but a fans perspective, what are some things that college golf coaches do um, that we as fans never see?
1: Yeah, so. Um Big big thing is running a tournament, and in my two years, I think I've ran six college tournaments now. Um, and running uh, w- running one is hard, um, <laughs> you know, and running three or four each each year is uh, is truly some of the hardest stuff I've ever had to deal with. You're just dealing with hundreds of college golfers and um, many coaches, and um, you're trying to you know, set up the course and all the meals and, you know, all the life scoring. And there's just so much, there's so much that goes into each tournament every week that happens that it's just a, that, that in itself is a full-time gig.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that as, and I can probably empathize with that as somebody who, um, puts on a lot of very low stakes, very made up yet meaningful golf events for, uh, our sicko network, um, Putting it together for golf that actually matters to the players, the families, uh, the administrators, et cetera, is probably a whole, whole other level of stress. And I, I love how you keep saying it, only, it takes a crazy person. I, th- I think we mean that in the nicest way. Um, comparisons between golf levels, I guess, is where I'm going with this next question. You know, I think we all, as college golf fans, as golf fans in general, uh, certainly watching professional golf, you know, we kind of don't give credence to the fact that you know John Rahm is really not that much better than um, you know. I'm picking a name out of a hat, but Brendan Steele, right? You now a guy like Brendan Steele pops up and wins maybe once every couple of years, once every four or five years, where John Rahm is bagging a bunch of wins. At that level, there's not a lot of difference um, from player to player on any given day. Right now, over the course of a season, surely that bears out. Compare that to Division One, Division Two, D3, and You know, give us, I guess, a sense of first. We'll talk skill level, but then just talking about uh, the experience, maybe is the first couple things.
1: Yeah. So um, you know, Division One is cream of the crop. It just is now, especially the uh, the top seventy teams of Division One. Um, you know, in the 70 to about 120, they can have some really incredible weeks where they just go and beat a top 20 team out of nowhere. Um, but those top, you know, those top 70, top 50 D1 teams, those teams are incredible, you know, but there's, there's 200 teams on the men's side for division one. For example, um, there is 1,127 total teams that are no, that are not division one nor Juco. So that's. So wait a second, there's
0: 200 division one teams and there's another 1,100 teams that aren't. Division one spread across the country or JUCO. Yeah. So they are
1: NAI or D two or D three and that's men and women's teams totals. But um, you sit there and you're like, that's uh that's a lot of teams. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's a whole lot of teams.
0: That is an incredible amount of teams. Why, why is that? I mean, I, that, that does seem like a um, man on one hand, we talk about how it's really, you gotta be really good to play college golf. Um, on the other hand, it's like, man, if there's 1100 teams times, you know, eight or 10 people on a team and, you know, there's 8,000 people that can go play college golf, still a small percentage of the population. But w- w- what do you attribute there being, um, so many teams and so many opportunities to, and I guess ultimately like, why does all of it matter?
1: Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I don't really don't want to get philosophical here, but, um, the man, I just can speak on a personal level, just the, really the life lessons, you know, just such as balance and time management and hard work and working with the team and just everything, there's so much that goes into college golf. And, you know, let's just say the only division and the only golf teams out there were Division One. you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of kids every year would mess out on that opportunity. And so, personally, I, I am so grateful that there are other divisions and, um, you know, opportunities for kids to play. But I'm, I'm telling you, if you ask those thousands of kids if they're – grateful for their college golf and, you know, in their lower level of NAI D2 or D3, they would tell you the exact same thing. There is, there is, I attribute everything in my life to where I am right now and pretty much everything that will happen to me in in the future due to my college golf experience.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that you mentioned life lessons. That's that's one of the main things about golf in general that I don't think it gets credit for. And I could see how that would be compounded or uh, really, accentuated uh, going to play college golf
1: and uh, just uh, we were going back on the uh, kind of comparisons between divisions. One of my most favorite examples, cause I was, I was a part of it. Um, we are playing a tournament at Gallardia country club. This was uh, last fall. Um, the third round was canceled, was canceled due to snow, but you know, that's just <laughs> Oklahoma golf in, in March. It just <laughs> is. Um, but it was a half NAI field, half D division two field. And um uh, my team, Southwestern Christian, and Oklahoma City University, which I would call them our, our rival. We're in the same conference, and um, they're about 15 minutes away from us, and they are the powerhouse of NAIA golf. Um, Kyle Blazer was um, crucial in that, um, in that reason for them winning so many national championships um, over the years. But um, us and them, we, we tied for first, and um, that event was hosted by the University of Central Oklahoma, um, and that's the third largest school in the state. And um, our A team finished first. And our B team finished tied for fourth, and UCO finished tenth. Southern Nazarene finished eleventh. Southern Arkansas finished twelfth. Newman finished 13th, and um, those are all Division two teams. And so, if you look at that, you know the top of NAI is going to compete with a lot of D two teams. They did. Ju- they just start just there's a, there's one of the biggest reasons for that is that NAI really doesn't have scholarship limits. You know, D2 is is stuck by NCAA rules of number of scholarships and NAI, we do, we do not have that.
0: Very interesting. I would have not thought that. I would have thought that uh, similar rules uh, would apply there. Talk to me about, uh, speaking of, you know, we're kind of talking about these different levels, right? And uh, kind of the cream of the crop at this uh, level is just as good as the level above it or, or vice versa, et cetera. So, You also, in addition to your coaching duties, happen to be a a golf raider uh, and not from a course perspective, but literally like you're helping fill out the weekly, monthly rankings of these college golf schools. So when we say, oh, Oklahoma City University, number one team in the country right now, or for that matter, OU, number five in the golf stat poll, et cetera, you participate at uh, the NAI level, I assume, as a raider. What goes into that uh, for you personally and then maybe guidelines that the governing body or the rating issuer gives to you.
1: Yeah. So Golfstat uh, golf stat is what we go off of uh, when it comes to just kind of power rankings kind of over time, but it's an algorithm and that's all it is. And so sometimes golf stat gets it wrong. And so um, the, the uh, governing bodies have decided to create a coaches poll and that's what is decided on who goes to nationals. And if you're an NCAA, who's going to go to regionals and they're going to play for it. NAI, we don't have that. We have uh Coaches poll, conference, who's going to go to nationals. And so um, I'm a Raider for the Sooner Athletic Conference, so we have four teams that are very, very good, um, OCU, Texas Wesleyan, Wayland Baptist, and us. We're all in the top 17 in the country out of the 165 teams. And so when you look at that, us four teams in the same conference, well, our rankings are going to matter. Um, on the on the order of rankings is how it's going to be decided for the national ranking. And, um, you know, since I'm the Raider, I pay attention and re- pretty much have to, to do – to do a good job on every college event going on in the country every week, and so on a Monday, Tuesday, if I'm if I'm on my phone, it's probably because I'm looking at golf stat and um, and I'm trying to see what's going on in the country so I can accurately decide what the what the ranking of teams are because you know we are doing this for the kids and um, and the kids are paying thousands of thousands of dollars to be at their small little college to play college golf. And if we're not rewarding their good play with correct rankings, then we're not doing things right by the kids.
0: Fascinating. Fascinating. I, I, um, I've often wondered, and I'm sure folks who follow follow college golf wonder how did those rankings come about? And, um, that's some, that's some helpful insight. Well, I guess on that note, like tell us who are the, um, maybe couple teams that uh, are really, Having strong seasons and are the uh, the quote unquote stud teams of uh, of the spring, so that when we're starting to follow it leading up to nationals, that uh, we know who to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, this is actually the the best week that we could have been on this pod because the most important tournament of the year besides nationals is on Monday Tuesday. It is ran by Dalton State. They're number three or four in the country, um, and um, that there's twelve teams that are going to be going to be there, and we are the lowest ranked team there we are number 17 in the country and we are the lowest ranked team there I think number one two three five seven eight all those teams are all going to be there it's in Dalton Georgia at the farm and my four uh, top teams in our conference are going to be there and Kaiser the defending national champion um, is going to be there and that'll be one of the most important events of the year to see where everybody stacks up in comparison to the rankings
0: and I'm sorry, that would be uh, just giving folks some timestamps stamps here, what, April, Monday, 3, April yeah. 3rd and the 4th, mm-hmm. okay, so. Very, very important. You're probably, driving uh, to that tournament, by you, the way. you're probably listening to this pod over the weekend uh, of the 1st and 2nd, and so uh, you'll be able to pull up Golfstat immediately and check out how the boys from Bethany and the other Oklahoma City metro schools are Bearing. um other events this spring where are nationals this year by the way
1: yes yeah, so yeah the uh, national tournament this year will be at los cindes golf club in mesa arizona uh, last couple of years has been tpc deer run which has been a great host and um, hopefully we are able to make it this year and uh, go and uh, see how we can do
0: love it love it um, now will there be anything here in the okc metro area this spring that folks can actually come out and follow from an event perspective or is everything kind of uh, outside the region
1: Yeah, so um, Oklahoma City University will be hosting a women's event here at Lincoln Park, and that'll be a pretty good field for uh, people to see that one. That'll be a good tournament.
0: Awesome. Well, we will tweet out some dates and times for that. Well, I have some other things I want to cover that are a little bit off college golf. Before I do that, I know that the squad would be really disappointed if we didn't dive into some – you know um recent results and certainly i want to talk about some of the horses that are that are playing well uh men's and women's i suppose but uh take that where you want to take it uh tell me who's playing well right now and what the results have been as of late
1: yeah so uh i i am the uh, men's and women's head coach which is uh, which is a uh, full full-time jobs but we are having a good time on the two, women's two full-time yeah, jobs two two full-times <laughs> yeah oh, yeah uh on the women's side um they have won uh, three events this year, which is a vast improvement over the past couple of years, and, you know, we're just trying to work more and more to get that team where where we think it needs to be. Um, on the men's side, you know, I've been a part of that three years now, um, and so far in those three years, we have played 31 events, and um, we have nine wins, 10 seconds, and six third places out of those events.
0: Man, nine out of 31 is pretty close to winning a third of the time. That's pretty good. Who's the one bag on the ladies' side?
1: Uh, Christina Galbin, Um she's from Venezuela, and she can absolutely hit the ball very, very straight.
0: Very, very straight. That's that. Straight. that uh, that's a common thing in the high-level amateur ladies' game, uh, and certainly at the professional game. And then on the on the guy side, who's kind of leading the charge for you there?
1: Um, he's our transfer from Oral Roberts University. His name is Philip Pekausch. He is from uh, Germany.
0: Okay, man. I mean, so you must like have to seek out in addition to your many duties, probably the what are the local you know, international food spots to make sure that all these international students are, are, feel a little bit of a taste of home. So that may be a whole other podcast that we do kind of trap draw style where we go through the uh, international cuisine of Oklahoma city. Uh, I love it. I love it. Well, any, any other shout outs, assistant coaches, anybody else yeah. on squads that you, uh, just want to name drop a little bit here before we move on to some other fun stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tristan Schwimm, he is from South Africa. He's currently our, um, our assistant coach helping us out, trying to, uh, you know, we have, a lot of, we have a lot of golfers. We have, you know, um, you know, when we're getting five tee times, that means we have a lot of golfers. And so having another guy on staff trying to uh, <clears throat> help us out and set all that up is, is, is awesome. Um, and so we're really thankful to have him. He's, he's currently eligible to play, but he has decided to, you know, help out the uh, team, and I cannot be more thankful for that.
0: Well, our man Scotty G always says that behind a great head coach is an even better assistant. So I always like to give the assistant some, uh, some love. Uh Darren Hopick and I uh J-Hop uh as listeners know him I have talked about this a lot maybe I haven't told you but uh you're a bit of an old soul for for 25 years old you know you just have this you know, mentorish way about you what would you have you heard that before i guess and uh, re- whether you have or not what would you attribute uh, being a little bit wiser beyond your years.
1: Oh yes, I uh, I I I have heard that. Um, you know, I would attribute it to really my up uh, my upbringing. I had two just superstars of of parents. My my mom and my dad. They just um, they did a great job. Uh, you know, creating an environment for me to be successful in. And I'm just so thankful for um, everything that they did for me. And you know it was definitely a uh, it was a dictatorship in the house, in the household and, and so i was uh, i was a uh, much of a listener to that and, I, and another thing is you know i have i have an incredible wife who uh, you know supports me so so well in all of these um you know st- stressful times and you know always being gone and everything and she's my just you know rock of helping me out and get me to where to where i need to be and keep me organized
0: man j- just like the assistant coaches the uh, the ladies the spouses will just say cuz again there's a uh, great 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 college coaches um of both genders and uh the spouses who uh helped them make it all happen sh- certainly uh, should be shouted out and, and
1: probably probably last thing is you know over the last two years coaching now over 40 college athletes that'll make you grow up a little quick you know if you're uh, <laughs> if you're in charge of them every day you need to be uh, on your stuff to make sure that everybody's doing the right things and staying organized and everything like that
0: yeah I never thought you'd be saying, darn those kids, gosh, darn kids when you're 25 years old. But uh, well, even though, again, I would call you an old soul, you're certainly coming of age in a time of new golf media, right? I mean, I feel like over the last five years, just the uh, golf wormhole has expanded to where you can fit a full cow down it. But um, what are some of the things that have kind of helped you dive deeper into the golf world? Uh, You know, I know that you're a big, no laying up guy, you know, favorite content that they do, uh, take that wherever you want it, just in terms of uh, how that's uh, either opened your eyes or helped you stay uh, connected to what's going on out there.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I would call myself a self self-proclaimed golf sicko, um, yeah. just through and, through and through and, um, you know, n- no free ads here, but like the, uh, the, the, new metalwood scratch rain pickers, that's right up my alley. Um, if no, if nobody's, uh, <laughs> seen those yet. That's right up my alley for the old stuff. I, I love the old, uh, Vintage clubs and wacky stuff, and um, that's some good content. And of course, um, I probably don't ever miss a trap draw episode uh, for No Lang Up, and um, I try and catch the regular episodes as much as I can. And and then if there's a Tourist Sauce, um, I've seen every episode probably a couple times.
0: Yeah, Tourist Sauce is uh, is a great way to certainly during the winter time. You know, whenever you're trapped indoors a lot, not able to play golf, not not uh, present company excluded because we'll play in anything. But uh, the Tourist Sauce seasons can certainly scratch the golf itch no yeah i would say it. my
1: uh you know being the golf sicko i am i think my favorite round of golf i've ever played was um me and my buddies were playing okc golf country club and it was probably blowing maybe 45 constant and uh the greens were quick and unfair uh with that win but um and i think i think the low round was like 85 86 by one of our uh, really good buddies and i think that's my favorite round of all time i think i've ever played
0: uh, to say no more. If you want to talk about what a golf sicko Darren Reed is, I will say you take golf sicko to, to a whole new level. You just mentioned kind of the old school clubs that you're into, and um, the golf equipment is certainly a, a, a hot topic right now in golf. Um, you went out and bought yourself an entire golf store. Yes, folks, he went and bought a golf store. You told me this story here at Lincoln Park, actually, when we were walking down the fairways one Sunday afternoon. Tell our listeners how you uh, became the proud owner of a, uh, of a golf establishment.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, being a broke college kid through the years, I found ways to make money, and one of the best ways was buying clubs off of Facebook. And, um, you know, flipping those on eBay, eBay is going to be the highest, um, the highest price for clubs. This is going to be. And so I kind of found a little trick through the five years of playing college golf, buying a club here or there local pickup, go get it and sell it on eBay, make a couple bucks. And you know, that's how we, uh, s- supplied some Mountain Dews and everything like that. Um, we, a little bit of a story time for this. We, uh, we were getting ready to go to nationals. Um, uh, this was my super senior year, um, getting ready to go to TPC deer run and Broughton was the coach at the time. And I said, Hey coach, um, I, I might need to leave practice early. And Drive to Duncan. He's like, "What for?" I'm like, "Oh, I, I'm trying to go buy some clubs." And you know, being being the nice guy he is, sometimes uh, he uh, he said, "Oh yeah, come on, you you, you can you can go." So, so I call my dad, and my parents have a uh, have a Mercedes Sprinter van, um, big huge one. And I said, "Hey dad, can you can you pull the seats out of the Sprinter?" He's like, "What for?" I'm like, "We got to drive to Duncan." <laughs> he he was like, "Yep, sounds good." So he pulls the seats out, and I meet him at the house, and we drive over to Duncan, and the in the store. Um, everything in the store was already paid off and, um, they put it all in a storage unit to be able to like sell it like a garage sale. And so this guy was advertising, advertising it all over Facebook saying, Hey, a uh, uh, big club sale, come and come and see it all. So I messaged him and I say, Hey, I was, can I come a little earlier? He's like, yeah, come at four o'clock. And I think everybody else was going to get there around like five or six. So we pull into, uh, the storage complex with the sprinter and I, I hop out and, you know, check on a couple clubs to make sure that those are still there, like the high dollar ones I saw in the pictures. And uh, he's looking around and I'm looking look around with him and I say, hey, um, I want to buy the whole thing. He said, what? And I said, yeah, I want to buy the whole thing. And he's, I'm like, do you have a number? He's like, uh, he, he has no he has no idea. Um, I think he inherited the all the clubs from his friend um, who, who, who had passed away. And um, so he had no idea. And he's like, um, let's do uh, 7,000. I said, I'll do 7,000 cash right now. <laughs> and so I, um, we did that transaction, and um, we loaded um, a bunch of clubs up in the Sprinter and uh, loaded it all the way to the roof, and people started showing up. Um, so I started you know, selling clubs for pennies on the dollar, pretty much because I felt bad um, and by the way, this is around 3,500 clubs. Um, and so (laughs) I start feeling bad because people have drove all the way to Duncan middle of nowhere storage unit to buy these clubs. So I start, you know, flipping G G 30 drivers for 50 bucks and just, you know, just things like that, just trying to get people a little happy for the, making the the, uh, drive down. And we load the Sprinter van all the way up. My dad drives it back, unloads everything. And I stay at the store to make sure everything, you know, I'm still kind of flipping a couple clubs and, my dad comes back and we load it all up to the ceiling again, and this—I mean, it's a big van—and um, we load it up to the ceiling again and take it all to the house and uh, unload it. And I start going through everything, and uh, believe it or not, I probably still have probably three, three or four thousand dollars worth of golf clubs now. And then I've kept so many things from that storage unit; it's it's too so silly. But there was some absolute gems in that in that store.
0: When you told me that story, uh, and you said it no, so nonchalantly like, Hey, I bought a golf store. I was like, excuse me. Uh, I love the fact that, uh, this guy had nothing, uh, had no idea what was coming. Right. Again, the offer to just buy the whole thing. So entrepreneurial lad you are my friend.
1: And I couldn't have, I could not have bought it at a better time. You know, this was April 10th, 2021. Um, golf was absolutely exploding. I mean, I recall, I had this set of G25s like four iron through lob wedge all graphite G25 I think that sold for 740 750 on eBay um right it this is kind of like you know the the time that everybody was just trying to get their hands on golf clubs and so stuff was selling like I would list stuff I'm like oh this ain't going to sell and then like a day later it'd be gone I'm just I mean, there was a point I was sending off 40 50 clubs a day to to my local USPS they were like what do you like what? What are you doing right now, man? But it was uh, it was a crazy time, and it's it's kind of slowed down now that the clubs have kind of depleted through the through the past couple two years now. But it was it was an absolute ride, and that was that was a full time job in itself.
0: Now, do you have like your own kind of market page on eBay, or how are you promoting that, or where can folks go to find uh your stuff that you still have?
1: Yeah, so um, I have an eBay page of, of just my stuff, and then I have a separate eBay page that I sell for other people. I kind of um, I help some other people sell some clubs or other golf courses. Um, I, I I sell a lot of clubs for other golf courses, um, and that's a whole story in itself. But, yeah, so I, I try and keep those separate. But, yeah, I have my eBay page that has – some of the clubs I have left over and I probably still have stuff I need to list, but it's just, uh, it takes, takes a lot of time.
0: Oh yeah. Well, we'll, uh, do our best to drop those links into the show notes so that people can, uh, peruse things or certainly know when things go up for sale. Darren, a lot of fun, a lot of fun here. You and I have talked that we could probably do a three hour podcast talking golf and, and you will be back, uh, because some, uh, Some new things are on the horizon, certainly, and we'll want to to get you back on the pod. That said, all of our guests, we do not let go of until we play what we call the short par four segment of um, the You're Still Out pod. So pretty simple here. We're big, big fans of a short par four golf hole. A couple great ones here at Lincoln Park. Four questions, golf, golf adjacent, all about Darren Reed. Are you ready to tee it up on the short par four? Let's go. T-ball here. Very simple question. I want to know about the last round of golf that you played personally.
1: I played, I had a pretty good uh, run this past weekend. Played Flint Hills National on Saturday and Wichita Country Club on Sunday. And they were uh, pretty good back-to-back courses going on there.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good one-two punch on a, on a random Saturday uh, and Saturday Sunday in March. Uh, well,
1: uh, luckily I have uh, Seth Bryan. He's the director of instruction at Flint Hills National. He's a he's a good buddy and um, he helps us out.
0: Love that. Uh, care to drop any scores?
1: Oh, I uh, we had a we had a foursome at Flint and a fivesome at Wichita, and luckily I, I was the leader in the clubhouse for both of those some some way somehow with with some good golfers in that group.
0: There you go. There you go. All right. Second shot here on the short par four. The question is quite simple. Who out on the professional golf circuit do you love to root against?
1: That's probably the easiest question I've ever heard. I, I cannot stand Billy Hole.
0: Okay. Yeah, Billy just, Horschel.
1: Yeah, just uh, he made a comment I think two years ago about the, the, the corn fairy numbers needed to be shortened, and somebody looked it up, and if – if the numbers were shortened where he was saying that they should have been, he wouldn't have made it on tour at that time. <laughs> so I was uh, when I once I heard that it was over for me.
0: Out on Billy Ho, very nice. The Town Crier is not uh, is not your speed. Uh, third shot here, obviously the birdie putt, short par four. We're going to try to get into red figures. You only get one more round of golf in your life. Uh, it's it's uh We're going to say that this is a long time from now, being a, a wee 25-year-old, but you only get one more round. Where are you going to play that round of golf? I will say you have to play a course that you've already played before.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Wolf Creek up at Kansas City. Um, it's And I hate, you know, some people aren't going to like this just the way it is. It's, it's a men's only club, and it is I, I have seen an 18-some out there um, and I have seen a 12-some out there, um, like right in front of us, and nobody bats an eye. And it is probably the the most chill, good old boys club I've ever seen in my entire life, and that 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 place is pretty special.
0: There's nothing wrong with getting the guys together from time to time, uh, but ladies are always welcome on the You're Still Out pod. Um, last question. Again, just left out for that birdie putt. We're tapping in for our par. We're going to make a movie about the life of, of Darren Reed, specifically the golf life of Darren Reed. What famous golfer is going to play you in the movie? Yeah, I'm going to,
1: that's a tough one, but probably J.B. Holmes.
0: Um, nice. Yeah. I, the Kentucky gentleman himself.
1: What a, what an absolute gem he is. So I would, that's probably where I would, I would take that one.
0: J.B. Holmes, John Holmes, as it were, uh, we could, we could certainly go off on a tangent there. Very good. Very good. A great short par four. Uh, here on the You're Still Out Golf Pod. Darren, I want to give you a chance here as we wrap things up. Where can folks find you or the team uh, out on social media, websites, etc., wherever you want to take that, buddy?
1: Yeah, so uh, for me, it's Darren M. Reed on Twitter and Instagram. And for the team, you know, as you're the – as you're the head coach uh, for these small college teams, you're also the SID sometimes. <laughs> so um, the amount of pictures that I take of uh, my my guys and girls on the golf course, and the amount of graphics, and luckily I, I have a buddy Tanner Stiles. He was the uh, um, the SID for Southern Nazarene University, and now he's the uh, SID for Oklahoma City Public Schools. He helps me out big time with all that to try and create some good stuff. But um, we are SEU Golf on SEU underscore Golf on Instagram for some pretty good content on there. We keep it pretty updated, and um, there's, some, there's some pretty good stuff on there.
0: Okay, so that's S-C-U underscore golf out on Insta. We uh, we love following College Golf, and that's where you'll be able to follow the Southwest Christian Squad this spring. Darren, thanks so much for coming on, giving us some time, and you will be welcome back on this pod uh, anytime you're, uh, you're ready to jump on, bud. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. So, folks, you've heard it here. NAIA golf is strong in the metro area we know that um, spring is pretty much here in fact I think technically it has arrived uh, the temperatures of late may have uh, fooled you a bit but spring is in fact here if you can't get out and play follow along with some of these great NAI schools when they tee it up here in Oklahoma City get out there and enjoy the walk
1: So, yeah, so not only is it the biggest tournament of the year besides Nationals, is uh, we are going to be able to stop at Sweetens Cove on the way on Saturday because we are driving from
0: <laughs> – oh. Whoa, wait a second. You're, you're stopping at Sweetens Cove on the drive to Nationals – or on the drive to Dalton?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, We are staying in South Pittsburgh on that Saturday night and then practice around at, at Dalton on Sunday.
0: See, that's another reason that your teams are fortunate that they have such a hip golf sicko as their coach is that uh, most – College golf Coast has probably never heard of Sweden's Cove, so man, that's big time stuff. Yeah, we
1: eh? uh, we we will not be able to play, but I called them and they said and uh, that they're going to let us come check it out and put on the on the crazy putting green and all of that. Of course, God,
0: super jelly, super jelly.